What difference can two people make in a global pandemic? You just have to set aside your notion of self. You know it's not about you, and you're there to help. You roll up your sleeves and dig in. Take action versus wait for everybody else to start in. We're living in uncertain times, surrounded by chaos, fear, even outrage. But a new world is emerging, putting forth beams of hope, healing, community, and recovery. Welcome to Luminaries in the Dark, hopeful stories about people pivoting their life and their work to rise above chaos and help those in need. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken. Today I'm joined by Ken Smith and Brenda Jallitz, two people combining laser-cutting technology and expert sewing skills to create thousands of masks that are distributed globally, making people's lives safer and helping those on the front lines. So if you both would, tell me a bit about yourselves. What was life like before COVID-19 arrived? I'm a software development engineer on the Xbox team. Before COVID-19, I was, I mean, I had a major surgery in January, so I've been recovering from that and starting physical therapy from a total shoulder replacement. That and the way we operate there on Xbox, you know, it's always busy. And that's a good thing. You know, it was just nose to the grindstone in terms of my recovery from surgery and trying to create products for our team. And then I have, you know, a, a wife and two kids, and so I'm balancing everything with them as well. I'm just an average retiree from the city of Seattle and no longer had the kids at home. They were all off to college and in their career paths. So it gave me a lot of time to go back to what I started in 1982, which was film art direction. And so I was working on a future film, creating characters and doing uh, basically the costuming with my friend Diana Burroughs. And right before Corona hit, I had some medical issues that were urgent and I was in ICU and they patched me up as best they could and sent me home with a bunch of medications to have surgery at a later time. And weren't you in the hospital at the same time as a COVID-19 patient? They actually had their first patient come into the ICU and, you know, I was stabilized. So they sent me home to try and take care of it outpatient. What really got to me is early in the outbreak when things were at their peak in Italy, seeing some of the uh, slideshows of some of the uh, healthcare workers coming off of these 18-hour shifts and talking about their lack of PPE and just knowing that I had the opportunity to help with that here was huge for me and something I just wanted to dive into. I think Ken and I are a lot of like. I think we both just really want to help. We want to have a positive effect. And if everybody just wants to have that positive effect, I think the outcome can be amazing. And so in wanting to help, why masks? We were building costumes and we saw a call to action on the TV. And basically, my business partner and myself, Diana, we talked about, hey, we could make masks. That, that can't be that difficult. So we basically started in doing a ton of research on what an N95 mask entailed and realizing that material masks could not replace the N95 
based on the filtration system. So we were trying to figure out what we could do with the next best steps and what that all entailed and how how this mask would turn out and what filtration we needed, what materials we needed. We went to the CDC, we went to the Department of Health. We did a ton of online research. We're both from the engineering field, so we both went there. And we just researched as much as we could as far as the mass. And then we started doing prototypes and testing them. We took our materials from the costuming that we had. We heard that there was a shortage of elastic and there was a shortage of this. And, and we had a ton of stuff already right downstairs. So we just went to our supplies and we got whatever we needed and we started making do. How do we get there? And so we got through it all about a month worth before we had to start purchasing product. And ultimately then came up with a mask design that worked. We wore it out in public. We tested it. We did all kinds of stuff. And Ken, how about you? How did you get involved? Well, I'm I'm friends with the gal who's working closely with Pierce County and their effort. Her name is Krista Linden. She runs a nonprofit in Puyallup called Step by Step that helps young, unprepared mothers become awesome parents. Krista and I have been friends for a while, and when she started working with the county, she put out a blast on Facebook saying, hey, we're looking for volunteers to do these 40,000 masks. And I was, I guess, interested in the opportunity to both help the uh, healthcare workers, but I think right away the thing that I saw and what I noticed was, wow, that's a monumental task to cut that much fabric. Myself, I'm sort of one of those maker type people, I think they call us. And I happen to own some of the equipment, like this CO2 laser. And I I knew that it could cut fabric, but I started researching a little bit. You know, what are the safety guidelines around it? How much power do you use? What are the uh, ventilation requirements for it? So I looked into that a little bit. And basically, I just asked Krista to send me a little bit of a the fabric. I told her, I'm not going to sew. That's not me. I'm no good at it, but I may be able to help with the cutting and hopefully that could be of benefit. And it cut like butter. It was safe to do. We had good ventilation and it seems to be a value add. So I'm happy to do it. (laughs) Ken, you mentioned working at Microsoft Xbox. How have you been balancing your job with your mask making efforts during this crisis? My entire organization, you know, from my immediate team lead up through the corporate vice presidents and back down has been completely supportive of this. And Pierce County was involved a little bit and just sent them an email asking if they could spare me for a few days, which they said that was great. Yeah, go go do it. And yeah, it's been wonderful to be able to commit to it. I mean, the first two weeks of the project, I was working full-time days at Microsoft and then going to my workshop at night, meeting my friends and doing the cutting. And that was, honestly, I was getting exhausted. (laughs) It was 18 hour days, but yeah, just a tremendous amount of support from everyone in my organizational chart. And this isn't your first time helping out in a disaster. Weren't you involved during Katrina? Is that right? Yeah, there was a period when I was working with the Weyerhaeuser company down in Federal Way. After Hurricane Katrina, The uh, CEO sent the company-wide email offering employees to go down and help work with one of the uh, disaster response agencies that they would essentially pay our way, continue paying our salaries, and give us the time to do it. So I volunteered with Weyerhaeuser, and we ended up working with a group out of North Carolina for disaster relief. I spent a total of, I think it was 11 weeks in the region. 11 weeks, wow. 
what was that experience like for you? In that experience, it was you get there and you see the devastation all around you and you just have to set aside your notion of self. I mean, it's, you know, it's not about you. These people are suffering and you're there to help. I mean, you're not there to complain. You're not there to judge any of that stuff. So it's just, you know, roll up your sleeves and dig in. And I've kind of wanted to take that approach to this as well. I mean, it's a little bit different, but I have the opportunity to help so I can set aside, you know, the notion of self and, and contribute and help these healthcare workers. When it came to starting in on making these masks, did you guys have a plan? Did you start with a pattern design, for example? The original design came from Deaconess. It's a hospital and they're a go-between between the people that need the masks and the mask makers. And so I started with them and then I went to the CDC and then I went to the health department. And purely out of curiosity, how long does it take for you to sew your masks? <laughs> I've had so many people ask me that. So I think for me, it takes about five, maybe 10 minutes to make one. If I'm all prepared, like have it all laid out and I just whip through it. My goal isn't how fast I can do it, but how many I can make in a day, <laughs> you know, because I have these demands and I put the pressure on myself and say, okay, I've got to have 20 for this person and I got to have 60 for the VA and I've got to have this for this. So my goal is how many can I make? And so I haven't had a chance to even sit down and time it, but I know I'm pretty fast. And does the cutting save you any time? Oh my gosh, yes. The cutting, that's part of the preparedness. So when this started, I did it all myself. The cutting is essential. I mean, it's unbelievable how much time it saves me. So I appreciate you, Ken. <laughs> For myself and my team, we're comfortably able to do in and around the 1,000 masks a day cutting, and that's both layers front and back in terms of Brenda's designs or the other designs are actually four pieces of fabric. We've really worked on refining our processes to make things more efficient. I think we could actually do more. One of the things we have to take into consideration, though, is the duty cycle of the machinery. We, we do notice towards the end of the day that the machine may not cut as well, so we like to give it an hour off to cool down. But we could probably run a couple shifts, though, and double that number easily. Ken, it actually sounds like you've got higher output capacity with your team and laser cutters. Are you cutting fabric for any other projects in parallel? The two projects that I'm involved with, one is driven by Pierce County. So they provide all of their fabric. They have a different design. And then like Brenda mentioned earlier, we met through that project and she asked if I could help with hers and just happy to do so. So we do keep their fabric separate. The design is separate, but realistically, from our perspective, it's just a file that we load into the computer. Brenda's file has a square pattern. The other one is, looks more like a seashell. So yeah, we just make that distinction there. And we load balance the effort too. Our goal all along has been to get ahead of the sewing. The last thing we want is for them to be waiting on us for cutting. These days, it's, it's at least a 50-50 split. Brenda's been so fast with her masks. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like I wake up and I go, do we really need all these masks? Is there really a need? And then I get a call and I get a person that says, hey, can I have 10 more? 
Yeah, I, I think that need really hit home to me today, going to the clinic and, and seeing, I mean, literally every single person had a mask on today and they had people at the door taking your temperature. I don't know. I was curious, Brenda, what you saw when you make these trips to Joanne. When I make the trip to Joanne's, it's usually once a week and the entire line goes all the way around the Joanne's building and every single one of those people are wearing masks. And it's unusual, but, you know, it's kind of accepted now. It's like, hey, I like that one or hey, (laughs) she's rocking that. (laughs) So they're out there. I know they're out there, but I'm just I'm busy sewing. Well, I I will say in my trip to the clinic today, though, that. I was very proud of my mask. It was one of the better looking ones and I'm sure (laughs) more well-made one. Of course, it was one of Brenda's. Thank you. (laughs) You mentioned liking this mask or that mask. Does that influence your choice of patterns when you're selecting them? How do you choose the fabric that you wind up using? Part of what I did was, you know, making the person that was receiving it happy to get it, you know, because... I can't begin to imagine the amount of stress that one must have when they're working in these environments. You know, you're talking to loved ones and you've got somebody on a ventilator and they're going to pass away. And I just can't even imagine it. So for me, it was like, okay, what is going to be cheerful? What is going to be happy? What is going to be an asset. If I got a gift, what would I want it to be? I would want it to be supportful, cheerful, happy, something that I could smile about, you know, whether it's a Disney character or something that just brings back a good memory, a good positive thing. It may sound a little funny too, but it it uplifts our spirits in the shop too, when we get to see some of the designs that Brenda picks out for fabrics. You know, it's, it's not just one color like white or black it's these floral prints or yesterday we had a seahawks print and it just kind of made our day because my shop's decorated with seahawks (laughs) stuff so it was pretty cool and for us that have to sew it it's hard to look at blue 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 black 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 so being able to see the different colors is nice but i just want it to be cheerful i want it to be positive now after you've sewn a batch of masks Where do they wind up going? Who gets them? Our masks go from Spokane all the way to the Lacey area. We've done Children's. We've done Valley Medical. We've done the VA. We did the nursing homes, a couple of them, behavioral health people. So we've got some that's gone to Guam. We've got some that have been through the Air Force. I'm really proud of the ones that you did that got sent overseas for the soldiers. Our masks are international. <laughs> They're on international flights. So it's it's pretty incredible. You know, if you step back and you really think about it, it's it's pretty amazing. I didn't turn anybody away. You know, I I would go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and sleep for two hours and get back up and work again until three or four in the morning. And by eight o'clock, I was back at it again. So it was just such an easy thing for me to do and be successful at it, and hopefully help people. It is so inspiring to hear about your efforts. Do either of you ever hear back from people who received or used your masks? I have gotten lots of very heartfelt thank you letters and notes, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get emotional. The truth is I I read them and I put them down and I just keep on working because there's such a need. 
and they're kind of emotional for me. So I have to stay focused on making the mass. <laughs> so yes, we get the comments back. I've gotten pictures of people wearing them with their uniforms. We've gotten feedback saying how wonderful they are. Could they buy them for their families? And unfortunately, I kind of have to turn that away because my mission is strictly, you know, the front lines and getting the people that are protecting all of us or, or right in the meat of it, protecting them as best as we can. Making thousands of masks takes a lot of material. Where are you getting it all from? Do you have volunteers sending it to you? Oh, I wish somebody would voluntarily ship me materials because then I would just send it to Ken. <laughs> but no, it's way more complicated than that. Okay, first off, there's a big issue of safety. So if I'm going to give out a mask, I got to make sure that the mask is sanitized and carefully packaged and, you know, give them some instructions on how to take care of it and just all of this. And then just getting the materials Well, you go to Joanne's and you wait in line for three hours. It could be three, four hours before I get back home to sew. And it just takes up so much of my time. It's unbelievable. And Ken, you also get additional material from Pierce County? Yep. I I get a substantial amount of material from Pierce County. I think probably close to a mile of fabric at this point in terms of yardage. Brenda is always great. I put out a call to action on Facebook to some of my friends. Just say, hey, if anyone's got any extra sheets that are clean, high quality, you know, that you can donate, help us out. And I've had some really good friends step up in that. And they've contacted their friends and their church groups. And they've actually uh, donated quite a bit. And all of that has gone towards Brenda's efforts. Yes, that's been huge because the product that I am getting, I'm actually paying out of pocket. So Ken's call to action has been huge. It saves me time. It saves me effort. And he drops it off at my doorstep. But the donations of fabric is huge. I'm picturing you both moving all that material and all those masks around. The logistics of that must get kind of crazy. Actually, our kids have been doing a lot of deliveries, <laughs> back, both to Pierce County, to Brenda's house. Brenda's son has come over and delivered fabric many times. The guys on my team, one of them, I think he made five different stops one day to pick up porch drops of donated fabric from the churches, too. It's a little bit ad hoc right now. I wouldn't say it's totally organized, but we're getting there. Brenda, you're sewing out of your home. And Ken, you mentioned having a, a workshop set up. I've got a roughly 2,000 square foot industrial space down in Kent. I've been doing this sort of maker stuff for a while. There was a period of time where I did not work at Microsoft and I had interest in fabrication and things like that. So I acquired this machinery. Yeah, the laser itself that we're using for this is a 57 inch by 95 inch work area. It's a 100 watt CO2 system. Just a fantastic machine. I just kind of lucked into it 10 years ago and got a really good deal on it. And a lot of friends ask, why do you have that thing? And my response is, why don't you have one? <laughs> this project in particular, is just a great opportunity to use the equipment and, yeah, and feel good about it. I work here at my home. And in my home, I have a open concept bottom floor that has the kitchen, the dining room, and the living room, which are segregated sort of in areas One area might be designated for sorting. One area is designated with a sewing machine. 
And so basically my base floor is open concept and it keeps everything separate. I imagine with all that you're producing that you've got a little help from those around you. Tell me about your teams and the people who are supporting your mission. Well, my family has been really instrumental in helping a lot with the delivery. So I definitely want to give a shout out to my wife and daughters, Amy, Megan, and Karina. Also, Ed Burke, Michael McIntosh, and then James Lasco. Also, I never knew I had so much support in all of this maker type stuff that I do or that I'm interested in. And, and it, just the support that I've received from the social media has been amazing. There's my son, Adam. There's Diana, who I've known for 30 plus years. There's Marianne, Liz Larson. There's Letty and Nina. They all have done some type of sorting or helped out with that. And a lot of people on Facebook, believe it or not, all my people work super, super hard. And without that team being successful, I can't be successful in putting out those amounts of mass. One of the things I keep hearing from people is that we'll never go back to normal. And I agree we'll never go back to our old normal, but eventually we'll get to a new normal. What do each of you think this new normal is going to look like? I'm certainly more comfortable working at home now than I ever was before. I mean, initially after the surgery, I didn't like it. I love being in the office. My teammates are awesome. It's a great social environment and bouncing ideas off each other and stuff. But now I've gotten a little more used to the working from home, so I may try to do some more of that. There's definitely some big changes. I had to go to the uh, clinic today to pick up some medications and everyone was in a mask. And it's definitely a big change since the last time I've been there. I think it's the safety stuff. You know, as I get older, being a retiree, I, I look at, okay, how's this going to look down the road? Are we all going to be wearing face masks? And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm a girl. I say, hey, let's add some bling and make them cute. <laughs> Guys might not like that, <laughs> but I'm okay with wearing mine. And I'm okay with matching my outfit. I think the distance, you know, keeping the distance from people, the six foot distance, I think that's going to stay. I look at the restaurants and I wonder about them. I wonder, will I ever want to go back into a restaurant? with people all there or, or a stadium with all the people. It's a little nerve wracking. It's a little, you know, scary. The unknown is always scary, but I'm open for change and I'm hoping this won't last forever. Yeah. I'm really heartbroken for the kids too, because my daughter's in high school and junior high and she's really involved. The high schooler's really involved with her school and just seeing what's happening with the class of 2020 and how much they're missing out on. Yeah, I don't know how we recover from that. I, mean, I want to do so much for them. It's going to be a challenge for sure. I'm sure there are people listening who would like to help support your efforts. Can you give us some examples of ways that listeners of the podcast can get involved? Standing in lines takes so much time. So while having monetary donations definitely would help, Standing in lines would be even more helpful. Going and buying universal sewing machine needles, buying white thread, going through your cupboards, going through your linens, seeing if you have cotton materials, or going to Joann's and purchasing quilting cotton material. 
having the pattern fabrics really helps. Buying gallon garbage bags, huge. I sanitize every single mask and every single mask needs a gallon garbage bag. So you can imagine the the demand. I've received a lot of support. I mean, obviously from my company, from Microsoft, who's given me the time to do this. Ongoing support, things that I need are really just supporting Brenda in, in her efforts and the county in their efforts. We've had a few other people that have donated things like Starbucks cards and all that's very appreciated, but not necessary from my perspective. I want to ditto that. While I really appreciate the thoughts of massages and Starbucks cards, that's not my mission. My mission is to get these masks out. And I really, truly appreciate the thought, but I'd much rather have 10 needles for my sewing machine. Yeah, but I I do want to mention there's one particular company called Smart Cells USA. They donated some uh, anti-fatigue floor mats that we basically surrounded the laser on. Because, you know, we've probably spent 400 man hours around that machine between the four of us. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm recently out of surgery. And boy, that really meant the world to us in the shop is to, to have that. And similarly, we've had good support from the manufacturers of the laser. It's a company up at Mocatillo named Sinrad. They helped us source parts. Just really grateful for that. Yep. Think of us when you go to the grocery store. And what's the best way for people to reach out to you? So the best way to reach me would be through my Facebook page. My name is Ken Smith. Reach out via Facebook under Brenda Jallets. And if it's a monetary contribution that you would like to provide, it would be under Venmo and again under Brenda Jallets. Perfect. I'll put those links in the show notes for anyone that wants to help out. Wow. Thank you. And thank our teams. Absolutely. We can't do it without them. Thank you both for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm so impressed and inspired by everything you are accomplishing. And it's just been such a great privilege to have you on the show. Thank you.